good morning. What a sad morning, right? And a happy new year out of very, in a very sad way to start a new year. Um, I can tell you that uh, we had a, a plan for this Sunday that all changed a few days ago. And uh, so we are um, making things really simple as we worship together. And we're trying to just share a few thoughts about ways that you can help. And in a moment, we're going to spend some time together praying the way the scriptures tell us to pray at times like this. We're going to lament. We're going to lament together. We're going to practice that. And uh, we're going to pray for one another and the people in our community that are in need. So I'm um, glad that you're here. Many of you are watching at home. We have about 350 families that live in the Superior and Louisville area, and they are not at home right now, most of them, because their gas and water and electricity is off, and so they're staying with other people, and they're watching. And just want you to know if that's one of, if, if that's one of you watching from home, our, our hearts are with you, and we're thinking about you today, and we're, we certainly feel connected even with you watching. I, uh, I have a few things I just want to share, and uh, this first part comes from just a number of requests that I've been getting over the last couple days, uh, countless numbers of texts and phone calls. If you know me, you know I don't love being on my phone, yet this is a time where that is absolutely necessary. And here's the sentiment. It's, Brian, we want to help. How can we help? We're ready to help churches in the area, churches around the country, people that used to be a part of Cornerstone are thinking of you right now and praying for you. And then many of you who either had your home spared or you're just close to uh, people who have lost homes or just even close to proximity wise, you know that this is affecting our community. You're, you've been reaching out saying, how can I help? So I want to mention a few ways. First of all, um, with 350, 400 families in Superior and Louisville, it's amazing to me that I think we've only lost one home in our church community. Dozens of our homes were literally within a block. A number of our staff's homes were within a block of the fire. And for whatever reason, Cornerstone, in a sense, was spared from some, you know, real tragedy with losing a number of homes. Other churches in our community, uh, smaller than ours, lost a half dozen homes to a dozen uh, our family is connected to uh, the Monarch Wrestling Team and the Youth Wrestling Team. On my team of 25 wrestlers, four of the wrestlers lost their homes. Wyatt's freshman football team, six of his teammates lost homes. And so as a community, church community, we've been spared in many ways. But if you're like us, you are well aware and connected to people who weren't. And it's one of those times that you just ask questions why one home was protected and one wasn't. Was God protecting? Was he not? All of those things. But it doesn't change the fact that we want to help and we want to see some life um, come about. And so I want to just mention a few things. First of all, um, there's ways to give. The Community Foundation of Boulder is a great place to give financially. We trust them here at Cornerstone. We've worked with them over the years. They're, they're incredible. They're going to do great work to help people. We have set up our own fund here at Cornerstone that we will use in the weeks to come. What we're probably going to do is adopt a couple families in need and rally around them. All right. So that's usually how we do things. That's how we handle our refugee ministry in times of crisis is we'll, we'll choose a few families and we will, we will do our part to rally around them. So um, you're welcome uh, to give in those areas. Uh, all those things are helpful. We're being told that the shelters and the donation centers are full. 
So they're saying, please don't send anything else. There was an outpouring of generosity, which is, which is great. Um, but now the needs are shifting. And some of the needs that are shifting, the way they're shifting is they're shifting towards gift cards. That's a great way to meet a practical need right now. People have to buy clothes. Uh, you could drop gift cards off here. We will get them to the families that need it. Uh, we'll probably purchase some gift cards with the giving that's coming in. But um, that's going to be very helpful. Many of our businesses in Louisville and Superior, not many of them, all of them have been shut down for a few days. And it will be a few more days. And so going to restaurants and helping those families have a night out, all those things, there are ripple effects that help our community. And so those are ways that you can give. I know many of you have been asking. Uh, one of the primary ways that we could come together as a community to actually help people right now is what many of you are already thinking, and that is helping people find long-term housing. Imagine being a family that has little kids and they're getting ready to go back to school. And we all know what Boulder County's like to try to find housing, Right? We have a staff person here, Kylie Courier. She put in over 40 offers before they actually finally got their house. Search for a house for a year. So we're already in a tough spot. And now we have over a thousand displaced uh, you know, households and many of them are families and they're wanting to stay here so their kids can stay with their friends and in their school. And anything that we can do along with the greater community to help connect people to long-term and, and, and long-term really includes three and four months, options for people to stay in our community will be really helpful. And so maybe that's your basement. I've actually heard of very generous people thinking about moving in with other family members so that their house could be given to a large family. Those are the kinds of things that people need right now. There's gonna need to be incredible sacrifices. So we're gonna need your help with networking. We're gonna need your help in uh, coming up with creative solutions. Let me mention this. If you know of anyone in need or have any ideas, you can use this text line that's behind me. This is the Cornerstone text line. I'd encourage you just to save it in your phone uh, anyway for all the time, uh, all, all times because we use it from often here at Cornerstone. But if you have a need or know of a resource, you can text fire, um, fire support to that line and one of our staff will be in touch with you. We have pivoted some of our staff hours to provide care, leadership, and attention to this area in the months to come and just to coordinate the way Cornerstone will, will meet some of these needs. Also, if you have connections to long-term housing, even a month at a time, that is more than just a bedroom, but for a family, uh, you can go see Carrie right after this service out in, the, in our lobby, and she'd be glad to take your information, and we're working hard with many others in our community, including many other churches, to find those connections can also tell you that on Sunday, January 23rd, you're going to want to be here at Cornerstone. We had something planned that is now very timely. We are, as a church, going to enter into a new challenge. We're going to take one of the parables of Jesus of multiplying what God has given us very seriously. And we're going to ask all of us together to love our neighbors in a very practical way at an important time. And all I'm going to tell you about that Sunday is that we're actually going to be handing out money. Now, there will be... Um, Conditions with that, this is meant to be used to bless people in your life and specifically at this time, those that are affected by the fire. Um, and so that's going to be a part of our response along with a number of other things. And to be quite honest, we're trying to figure it out like everybody else. There's a meeting tomorrow with a, a dozen churches and we all have the same questions. And so um, we want you to know that. I just appreciate your generosity and your care in reaching out. And um, I want you to know where your energy can go, at least for, for the time being. Now, not getting into a message, because I have no sermon to give today, 
But I do want to share a passage with you and a few thoughts. And this is a passage that I personally go to over and over again when um, I'm sad, when I'm sad for others, when I'm worried about others, when I'm sensing my own brokenness or struggle or just seeing, seeing it in the world. This is just a passage that's very, very dear to your pastor, and it comes from Isaiah chapter 61. And you might remember that I shared this passage last March after the shooting. Isn't that funny how we go back to the things where, that give us comfort? So this is one of them for me. It's Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4, and I'm going to read it to you. By the way, Jesus quoted this part years later, speaking about himself. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to pre preach good news to the poor. And he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. And to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And they will re rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And so today I'm connecting a few, to a few things in that passage. First of all, is just the comfort that God has actually been, he's been in this moment before. Like he, he's, there's not, a, there's not a tear that a person could shed that he can't empathize with, that he doesn't understand, that he actually hasn't helped someone else go through the same thing, go through. He's even been through communities that have been devastated like physical homes and buildings that have been, been lost and people, you know, they're just left reeling and trying to figure out how to put things together. By the way, the amount of work that's necessary right now for these people. It's all these things are overwhelmed. God, God has been there. And so there is comfort to know that God can actually literally turn ashes into joy. Ashes, a symbol of death into life and joy, and he comforts those who mourn, and he's with the brokenhearted, all of those things. I love the way verse four ends. He will rebuild what has been devastated. That will happen. But you will miss the point of Isaiah 61 if you don't see that God is much more concerned about rebuilding people and people's spirits and their hearts and their minds and their relationships than he is the physical things. He compares, he, or he certainly cares about the physical things, but compared to what he's doing inside of a person, that is his masterpiece. God is renewing broken hearts and people who are lost. So who rebuilds the broken cities? Who turns a home or a house into a home again? Who reconnects with neighbors? Who rebuilds communities? It's the people that God is renewing. He uses people like us. And so you get to verse three and there's this amazing image that is not just comforting, but it actually gives us vision right now. And I hope you have a sense, you, you feel a sense of responsibility. As a church, we were very much spared from just our own community within Cornerstone suffering. And I think with that, there is a responsibility to be there for others. 
for other churches, for our friends, kids' friends, all those things. But there's this phrase that comes up and he uses this image. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That word that gets translated in this passage, oaks of righteousness, is a Hebrew word. It's my very favorite Hebrew word. It's called ayel. Many of you have heard me tell you this. And the word ayel ayel literally means the strong ones. So he plants the strong ones for the display of his splendor. Let me tell you what's referred to as the strong ones in ancient Hebrew life. So the posts that would hold up a strong building are called the ayils, the strong ones. So in this building, if an ancient Jew were to come in, they'd say those aren't posts, those are ayils. They are able to carry a heavy load. Or the tents that were put up by the Bedouin people who moved around, those strong poles that held up the tent, they were called ayils. The wise men and women of a tribe were called the ayils, the strong ones. The warriors of a tribe that would go out and protect people were called ayils, the strong ones. The strong back legs of a ram that was often seen on, uh, on steep slopes in Israel and in the Middle East. The strong legs that allowed that ram to navigate uncertain territory. Those legs are called ayils, the strong ones. So here in the passage, we see Jesus saying, I'm here for the brokenhearted, those that mourn. I'm going to turn their sadness into joy, their ashes to praises. But look what he says. God builds people. He rebuilds broken hearts and spirits. So much so that those people are called the strong ones. God wants to use you. God wants to use your family. He wants to use your relationships. He, right now, he's asking you to be like one of those posts that carries a heavy load. He's asking you to be wise. He's asking you to go out in front of others to fight for them, to support them. He's asking you to be the steady one as people's lives are shaking. He's asking you to do those things. And I know it can be hard to do because we're shaken, but this is what Jesus does. He builds people up. And he uses people just like you to help those that need built up. And so I always find incredible encouragement from Isaiah 61. You are an oak of righteousness that God wants to use. At least I think to the best way we can help. And that is just to reach out to the people in your life that you know are struggling. The the Red Cross, all the churches together, we can't organize everything right now the way that we want to. But the best work that's happening right now is people are rallying around the families and the individuals they know that have been affected. And if you don't know someone, you rally around someone that is rallying around somebody. And you support their GoFundMe page and you buy gift cards and you help them navigate the insurance world, which is, by the way, tremendous work. They need friends to help them make an inventory of all the things in their home, all that stuff. But you get to show up and you get to be an oak for people who are broken. And listen, if you're someone right now that's broken, it's okay. It's a great place to be. It's a great community to be around, to be cared for, encouraged. And God works in our lives and he turns broken people into oaks. And so I wanna start our prayer time today by just asking God to work within us. And then um, we're gonna have some others come up and lead us through lament and intercession. But let's bow our heads. And I just want you to have that image in your mind 
the image of ashes, but also the image of oaks. Father, thank you for this community here at Cornerstone. Thank you for their love. Thank you for their generosity. Thank you for all the ways they've reached out, their desire to help. I pray that you would show each one their place. They're part of the rebuilding. Pray that they might remember that they are people touched by grace. Remind us of those seasons where our hearts were broken. Maybe right now we need that comfort that you can mend that heart again. There's been times that we've mourned, we mourn again, but we hold on to the promise that God does not leave us there, that he does more than that. He doesn't just heal those things, but he turns us into people, into families, into communities that are strong for one another. So I bless my friends that you might make them the strong ones. Use our little church in the months and the weeks and years to come So Father, we start today by just praying that you might show us and help us and give us what we need to be there for others. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Hello, there I am. We've got Fuego with us because we're holed up in a hotel in the room. Appropriate name to have right now, huh? Fuego, if you don't know, is Spanish for fire. Um, but he didn't cause any of this. He's a lover. And wondering how many times last year did you say, or you heard somebody else say, I can't wait for this year to be over. Here we are two days into that year, and um, we're still being gut-punched, and I'm already thinking, I can't wait till this year is over. I mean, I know it could get better, but um, what, a, what a way to enter into 2022 and how sad it is for so many people uh, who've lost their homes and all their treasures. Uh, it's very sad. To cry over our losses is human, um, but to lament is divinely biblical and it's different lamenting is so crucial to people of faith that in ancient biblical times Jewish people used to hire professional wailers professional lamenters to wail at funeral times and it wasn't like they wanted to you know not do their own wailing they just wanted to to emphasize it more to 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 create uh, an environment of deep grief. They knew how important it was. And to this day, it's still common at a Jewish funeral uh, to tear your clothing as a, as a, as a sign of, of, of intense grief. Um, as you read in several places in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew scriptures, where people did that when they had lots of loss. Um, lamenting doesn't fix our problems. Lamenting isn't designed to be Art for our problems to go away, even though we want them to. Lamenting acknowledges our problems, and in doing so, it brings it brings comfort. So Jesus said, "Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted." Um, and we are comforted because um, that God hears our prayers. 
when we, when we mourn. Um, and then he surrounds us with his presence, even in the intense times of, of grief. King David was a good mourner, a uh, good lamenter. And while running, literally running for his life for 15 years, um, he cried out often during those times. And a lot of the Psalms were born out of that intense grief. And he, he, he said things like Aaron just shared, you know, how long? Like 15 years. Can you imagine just having the hammer down on you for 15 long years and not be able to come up and get a breath of air? Um, or he'd say things like, wake up. God, are you sleeping? You can't see what's going on here. Do you even care about what's going on in my life? I mean, he just raw unfiltered emotional rants about what's going on in his life. But you should also notice that if you read the Psalms, they always end with David saying something like, I found comfort in God. Um, just like this song, for your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. David always ended that way. And he often described that, sh that comfort as a shelter a shelter under God's wings. That's why I have a tallit on today. A tallit is really the Jewish men in the Hebrew scriptures are commanded to wear an undergarment that has these four tassels that come out from under their shirts. Certainly you've maybe seen an Orthodox Jew wearing this or seen a picture of it. Um, they're commanded in the scriptures and part of it is to just say, uh, look, I belong to God. My life belongs to God. But it also brings a, a level of comfort because these, these tassels in Hebrew are called um, zitziot. That's plural for, for zitzit, zitziot. There's four of them. And the, the shirt is, is cut in such a way that it creates four corners. Or, and those corners have a name in Hebrew that's called kanaf. And kanaf is just the Hebrew word for wings. And David often expressed that he would find comfort under the shadow of God's wings in the same way that uh, baby chicks find comforts under their mother's wings. It's a place of refuge. And the Talits came out of a time where Jews were being persecuted, mostly by Christians, sadly. Um, and so they, many of them began not to wear the T-shirts the, the out in public and only brought the Talits out in worship times, worship prayer services. And so that's why you see the tallit today with its four wings. And I want to read a lament from the prophet Jeremiah. He's often described as the weeping prophet or the lamenting prophet. His, his prophecy was something that God ordained that he would be the one who laments over Israel's sufferings, particularly during their exile, time of exile, where they wanted to go back to their homes, like a lot of you want to go back to your homes. And I, I, kind, of, I, I kind of have it up on the screen so that we can personalize it corporately, so I changed eyes to we, so we can read it together. And when, as I read it, um, you know, some of you escaped with, with no, no trouble at all. Some of you, how many of you are uh, evacuated out of your homes still? 
So a lot of, yeah, a lot of us are. And then there's so many people who's, if you, if you haven't seen it, it's going to be very sobering when you see some of the neighborhoods in Louisville and Superior where entire neighborhoods are leveled. It's just saddening. And so we want to lament. And might you know, it's easier to lament if your house is in ashes. But corporately, we can lament together, right? Aren't the scriptures, don't they tell us that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn? And so let's stand up. And it's the custom to wear the tallit like this. So now I'm under the shadow of God's wings. Another word that's used for this is his chuppah which was the, the room where the bride and the groom would consummate their marriage, the most safest and most beautiful place in a home. And I'd like you to just look up for a second and look at the roof of the ceiling because it reminds me of wings. And I'd like you to picture that we are all together corporately under the shadow of God's wings right now. We're in his chuppah. In the same way, that a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings in the safety. And if you're at home, please read this with us. So let's do it together. We are a people who have seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven us away and made us walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against us again and again. All day long, he has made our skin and our flesh grow old. He has broken our bones. He has besieged us and surrounded us with bitterness and hardship. He's made us dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled us in so we cannot escape. He has weighed us down with chains. Even when we call out or cry for help, he shuts out our prayers. He's barred our way with blocks of stone. He's made our paths crooked. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged us from the path and mangled us and left us without help. He drew his bow and made us the target for his arrows. He pierced our heart with arrows from his quiver. We became the laughingstock of all the people. They mock us in song all day long. He has filled us with bitter herbs and given us only gall to drink. Today, we remember our affliction and our wandering, the bitterness and the gall. We remember them well, and our souls are downcast within us. And this is where it changes right here. Yet, this we call to mind. And therefore, we have hope. Because of the Lord's great love for us, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. We say to ourselves, the Lord is our portion. And therefore, we will wait. We will hope for him. The Lord is good to those who, whose hope is in him, to the ones who seek him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation, the rescue of the Lord. It is good for us to bear the yoke while we are young. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. 
Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, and that's that Hebrew word chesed, chesed love, that crosses every boundary to reach us. For God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness. I'll read that again. For God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness. We know in Genesis 1-3, he, he did it there. But in the new covenant, which we are in, he does it in us. He puts the light in us through the power of the Holy Spirit and we're to shine it out into the darkness. And I was thinking about um, the night of our evacuation. It just made sense to me and to Jean to come to the church. And this is where we came because this here is, you know, the bride of Christ is the church and the people are the bride of Christ. And we're here today, and I cannot think of anything more beautiful than to be able to stand up here and share a word and a verse with you all. Because um, you're my people. You are our, we're, we're each other's people, right? <laughs> and this is our church. And it has wings on the ceiling. <laughs> so precious. I love this place. I love this church. And Jean uh, and I have been very uh, loved by this church and Jesus through this church. I'm going to read uh, 2 Corinthians 4, just uh, four or five verses. And I'm reading out of the uh, Passion Translation. So if you wanted to follow along, you could open it up on your phone or your Bible. And uh, I'll tell you what verses I'm reading at here in a second. So out of Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, starting in chapter 7. You know, I'm going to go back one verse because right after it says, For God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness, it goes on to say, is the one who has cascaded his light into us, the brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God, as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7 goes, we are like common clay jars <laughs> that carry the glorious treasure within so that the immeasurable power will be seen as God's, not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but we're not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies. 
so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. And that's what we're, I'm talking about at this time, is just letting the light be revealed within you to others. And part of that is just your plain and simple humanity with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, guiding us and counseling us. That's when people will see the one that they're supposed to see. <laughs> and we can give uh, so much glory and praise to Jesus and to God the Father. Adonai, Yahweh, and Ruach, HaKadosh Ruach, the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful gift if we are in Jesus and have claimed him as our Savior and Lord. He gives us the Holy Spirit with him. He gives us a piece of him. And that's what can get us through times like this. Hi everyone, my name's Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. First, I just want to say that it's at times like this that makes me feel so proud to be a part of a church like Cornerstone. Like Brian said, many of you have reached out already offering to help those who've been affected by the fires in whatever way is possible, whether that be through offering supplies, donations, lodging and housing. But if you're anything like me, in an event of this magnitude, you can at times feel a little helpless. Because, you know, we, we can give and we can donate and we can show up for people and we can even welcome people into, into our own homes, but there's still a point where it just doesn't feel like it's enough. You know what I mean? Because despite the, the help offered, there's still so much loss. Despite the help offered, there's still so much sorrow. There's still so much brokenness. There's still so many questions and fears about the future for people. And there's a level of help that's needed in a circumstance like this that can indeed come through us. But there's also a level of help required that remains beyond us. And so we pray, we intercede. And we pray for the hand of God to move in ways that ours cannot. We ask God to show up in ways that are beyond our control, to show up in ways that are beyond our means, beyond our wisdom, beyond our capacity. And so for the next few minutes, we're gonna pray together and we're gonna intercede for those who've been affected by the fires over the last couple of days. And you know, one of the powerful things behind intercession is that it, it unites our heart to the people we pray with, and it unites our heart with the people and places we pray for. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna invite you all to, to, to take a few minutes to gather up with a few people sitting around you and pray with them. And so, uh, if there's nobody like directly next to you or behind you, you're welcome to get up and move around. You can shift some chairs around. And up on the screen, 
we'll have a couple ideas of how you can pray together. You can pray specifically for someone you know who's been affected. Pray for them by name. Perhaps you don't know anybody, but maybe the person that you pray with does. You can pray for first responders. From what we've heard, they're exhausted, can only imagine. Pray for strength in their exhaustion, both physically and mentally. You can pray for community leaders, that they would have wisdom to care for others and help our community rebuild. Or honestly, you can pray for anything else that's on your heart related to the last few days. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray now to get us started. And then when I'm done, you can move around and connect with a few people sitting nearby to pray with them. And then after that, we'll conclude with some worship. So join me in some prayer. Show us your steadfast love, O oh Lord. Show us your mercy. God, this morning we pray and we intercede on behalf of those who've lost homes, who've been impacted over the last few days. And Lord, we pray that for those who are weak, you would bring your strength. We pray that where there is darkness, you would bring your light. We pray that where there is pain, you would bring your comfort. We pray that where there is brokenness, you would bring your healing. We pray that where there is ashes, you would bring your beauty. For Lord, that is something only you can do. And Lord, may you move amongst us this morning as we gather and we pray. Holy Spirit, would you guide our time together? Show us how to pray. And Lord, would you hear us? Would you respond? Would you move? And it's in the name of Jesus, our comforter, our savior, our way, our truth, and our life that we pray. Amen.